You're listening to the Faith Roots Audio Podcast with Pastor Willie George. You can watch the full video version of this episode and join the conversation with your comments on the Faith Roots YouTube channel. Simply search Faith Roots on YouTube and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Now, here's Pastor Willie George with today's message. Hello, I'm Willie George. Welcome to this edition of the Faith Roots Podcast. I want to thank you for joining me today. We're talking about how we fight the good fight of faith. And the good fight of faith is not a fight to get something. It is not a fight to obtain. And I'm going to explain that in such a way that you really wrap your mind around it because it's so very important. You don't fight to beat the devil. You don't fight to get an answer from God. And we'll explain that. Fight the good fight of faith, 1 Timothy 6.12 says. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Now, when Paul says you confess a good profession in front of many witnesses, he is speaking about something that is legal. This is a legal process. In other words, there is a time when it was appropriate to do some kind of transaction, and in the presence of a number of witnesses, it's like what happened when Abraham bought a piece of ground, the cave of Machpelah, and a field from Ephron the Hittite. And uh, there was a transaction that took place, and it was done in the presence of witnesses. And he spoke words in the presence of witnesses. Ephron the Hittite spoke words in the presence of witnesses. It is a legal transaction. And so what Paul is talking about here in 1 Timothy chapter 6, that the fight of faith is something that we do legally. It is a legal step in order to obtain something that is already ours. We are not having to fight to get it, but we are recognizing that it is ours. It has been paid for. Now, when Abraham uh, took the cave of Machpelah and the field from Ephron the Hittite, he had to pay money for that. That was the purchase. Christ purchased your salvation. There's nothing more that he has to do to redeem you, to buy you back from the power of darkness. You have been lock, stock, and barrel, spirit, soul, and body. You have been purchased by the Lord. Uh, The New Testament asks this question, know you not that you are the temple of God. You are where God lives on this earth. He put his spirit in you. Do you not know that? Uh, So he's not fighting to get into you. When you receive Christ, he's already in you. So it's important for you to understand what this process is and how this fight works. So the fight of faith is not a fight to get something that you don't have. It is a fight to keep something that already belongs to you. Listen to what Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. In other words, the fight of faith is a fight to keep something that belongs to you. Now, I have here 
a title to a Jeep Cherokee. This is a, a vehicle that my wife and I own. And this is the title. It's not the car, but it is the legal document that enables me to own that car. Now, if someone were to come and take my car and I saw who did it and I knew who had it, I, I recognized my car in a driveway across the street, I have the power to file a police report, show the police my title, explain that that is my car. Now, I'm not fighting to obtain that car. It's already mine. This is what enables me to own that car. And when a court system is right, and when the judge and the laws are right, then they will enforce the title. Now, we don't always have uh, correct judges and correct systems in, on this earth. But nonetheless, this is what was meant to be. The title entitles you to be able to exercise authority over the thing that the title goes to. That's really what it is. So the fight of faith is the fight to keep what belongs to you. You keep it, it will become yours. So I may not have possession of that car. The neighbor would take it, uh, but because of the law, they'll bring that back to me. The car will come back because wherever the title goes, so goes the car when the justice system is, is operating. Now, you own a car because you have a title. Title is not the car, but it enables you to own the car. Now, listen to this. There's a reason I made this illustration. Hebrews 11.1, 1, Montfort translation. Now, faith is the title deed of things hoped for. Remember what hope is? Hope is an expectation of a desired thing or a desired outcome. It's the envisioning of a desired thing or a desired outcome. So faith is the title deed of things hoped for, the putting to the proof of things not seen. Mean it legally establishes that a thing is yours and it by effect brings that thing to you. It makes us certain of realities we do not see. Now that's the last part of that verse and that's Hebrews 11.1. 1. Uh, that's the New English Bible. It makes us certain of realities we do not see. I'm telling you that when I have stood in faith for various different things over the years, I knew that I was really in faith for that thing when the thing became very real to me, even though I did not have it yet. And I've had that experience a number of times. I had hepatitis A back in 1979. I was very, very sick, and I prayed, and we didn't have health insurance, didn't uh, have a family doctor. I couldn't afford to go to a hospital. We, we, we were already behind on our mortgage, so I didn't know what I was going to do financially. Uh, but I believed God, and I asked God for my healing, and I began to rejoice. And I did that for about a week and I'll never forget it. On a Saturday night, I got up out of bed. And if you've ever had anything like hep A or mononucleosis, it, 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 you're extremely tired, extremely weary. Just lifting my arm up above my head took all the energy I could muster. I, I've lifted weights since I was 15 years old, 16 years old. And, and it was like pushing 200 pounds over your head. And uh, it, it was that difficult. And uh, But I went into my living room and lifted up my hands, even though it was uh, very, very uh, stressful. And I began to praise God, and I had a joy come over me. 
And uh, I had this by faith, but, but there was a joy that came to me at that moment. And the reality of healing was so strong, I was just overflowed with laughter and joy. And I thought, it's mine. I have it. I'm not fighting to get it. I've got it now. It's a reality to me. When I woke up the next morning, I already felt better. And by the time church was out the next day, uh, I had a huge appetite. My skin color had begun to return to normal. The yellow was leaving my body. For the first time in a week, I was able to eat solid food, and I was completely recovered. Two weeks later, I was at the workout club, and a guy sat down on a bench next to me and almost passed out. And He said, man, I had hepatitis uh, six months ago, and I'm still not normal yet. I'd had it uh, about two weeks before, and now here I am, 100%, completely recovered. And I had a, a miracle, but I had the joy of my answer before I saw the answer. And that's what faith does for you. Faith enables you to see something that you don't quite yet have. Now, hope begins the process of faith when you saw something that you desired. And your spirit has the ability to see things that are not yet visible to uh, the naked eye. Hebrews 11 talks about Abraham in this way. It says that Abraham was looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. Now, Abraham never lived in a city. Uh, he had a bad experience with cities when he was a young man. And uh, he grew up in Babylon and in the land of the Chaldeans, and there was a, a great amount of idol worship there. The idol worship was, was very harsh and uh, it was very totalitarian. There was a tyranny there. They were forcing people to worship idols. Abraham lost a brother to all of this, and he hated it. And so when he left, he never lived in a city again, but he desired a city. And the scripture says he looked for a city whose builder and maker was God. So in other words, Abraham, when he died never got to live in this city that God would build, but he saw it, and it was a reality to him. It was something that he knew would come about, and it did. And uh, especially under King David when he conquered Jerusalem, the city that Abraham wanted uh, was partly there. It ultimately will be fulfilled when Messiah comes and restores the city of Jerusalem. Now, the timing of God's city was not for Abraham's day, but what God did is he allowed Abraham to see this ultimate desire of his faith. Now, it's one thing then to fight to obtain, but it's another thing altogether to fight what is already yours, uh, fight for what's already yours. And that's what the people of faith have done. Now, uh, Abraham would have had that city whose builder and maker was God, had it been the timing for that. But he received everything else that he was supposed to have because the timing was there. Now, when you pray a promise of God, and I would say it like this, in earnest, and here's why I say this, there are a lot of copycat believers. They listen to somebody else's testimony. When they get into a jam, they will quote a scripture they heard somebody else quote, and that's not totally wrong. But that scripture needs to be something that you personally believe, that you've embraced, that you have marked in your Bible. It's not just something that you heard about. Here, let, let me give you a sense 
of what this kind of faith looks like. Uh, Jesus said in the Gospel of John, 15th chapter, if you abide in me, that means you're living in me. This is not this devotion time you have. It's not just something you do once a month. If you in, abide in me and my words abide in you, in other words, you are continually searching the Scriptures. You are feeding on the Word. You are a person of, of time in the Bible. That's what you do. You have a pursuit of the knowledge of God. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Somebody says, well, that's if it's the will of God. No. He said that if you learn what he believes, and you learn what his word says, if you abide in his word and his words abide in you, you ask what you will because your will becomes shaped by the will of God. And that's the whole purpose of you getting into the word is to turn your will toward God's will. So you're not asking anything that's outside the will of God because you know the will of God. How did you know the will of God? You learned the word of God. So if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it will be done unto you. And there are a lot of people who will do copycat praying who really do not have personal faith, then they don't receive the answer. And then what do they do? They begin to tear down the idea that you can really receive from God. And I don't like hanging around people like that. Don't like listening to them because they absolutely destroy faith. And they focus more on the exception, the people who didn't receive, than they do on the ones who did. I want to err on the side of those who do receive. 90% of the people in Hebrews chapter 11 who received miracles received a, an answer. They received a victory. 10% didn't, but they were persecuted. It wasn't for lack of faith. It was the will and the plan of God that some people be persecuted like Abel. He was killed for his faith. And so Abel has a glorious resurrection coming. But what I want you to see is 90% of the time, the people that are receiving words of God are receiving words of deliverance. Only 10% is God saying, uh, all right, you are going to go through something tough here. And he'll give you the grace to go through it. I see that all over Stephen. He was killed for his faith, but man, he must have had an incredible grace to die because he was not upset. So when you pray a promise of God in earnest, you receive the title deed to your desires. So Satan will do everything he can to talk you out of your deed and try to get you to give up what you have in your hand. Don't throw down the rope. Don't cast away your confidence. You hold on to your title. And when the process is complete, you'll have the answer. It's all the time I have for today. But next week, I'm going to explain to you how you deal with those nagging doubts that come against your mind. We're going to take the whole week talking about doubt. I'll see you then. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Ratings and reviews help us reach more people. So take a moment to leave a review on your podcast app and consider sharing an episode with a friend or family member that needs to be built up and encouraged in the Lord today. Thank you for listening.